0: Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at TheBrokenToken.com. Hey, y'all. It's time for R is for rolling, D is for dice, T is for taking, and N is for names. And on this episode, the guys interview I, is for Ignasi, who will be talking with the guys about Portal Games releasing at Essen. The guys will also be reviewing M is for Monolith, A is for Arena, which will be debuting at Essen. Now, if only I could think of something that starts with C. Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 156. C is for cookie by that all-time great artist, the Cookie Monster. I'm Tony. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, that is one of the best things Ever, There you
1: go. That was brilliant. I love it when I don't know what you're going to title it. And I just get totally surprised. This is Marty, by the way.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, one of those things where our special guest, it fits so readily with what he talks about. And
1: you know what? If you have no clue who's going to be at the guest on this show, but you know anything about designers and board games, you know exactly who this show is going to be with.
0: That's right. Our good buddy Ignacy has come on the show. He's been a while. He hasn't been here in a while.
1: It it has been a while. And Ignacy is one of Our best friends of the show. Obviously, he is a sponsor of the show, so you hear about his great games uh, every time. But it's not just because he's a a sponsor, Tony. Ignacy was a friend first, sponsor later. We just wanted to work together close with him just because we had such a great relationship with this guy. And we love getting him online to, uh, to talk with him about... Geez, just anything and everything, but especially all the fantastic games
0: he's going to be coming out with at Essen in a few weeks. And we had to get him on soon because, you're right, Essen and Monolith Arena. I mean, he has had great success with Detective, which we will find out through the interview just how much I've played. But I do want to mention, Marty, since then, I did order Detective. Oh, you did? Yes. I cannot wait to see
1: what you think about it. I hope it goes over well with your group and your family and they they re- really dig into it just just make sure to give them a heads up this is not this is something you got to invest in. You've got to pay attention. Yes, you do. You can't just be kind of halfway plugged in and you and you've, take good notes. I hope
0: you have a good note taker. Is Donna a good note taker? Oh, yeah. She's very thorough on that. And also Rebecca, she, she'll do it. So I'm planning on playing with them and hopefully they will be invested in that. Now, I'm not going to tell them how long it's going to take to play because that's when they'll check out.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the great thing is you don't realize how long you've played until it's over because you just start playing and you're talking and discussing and all the time, all of a sudden time goes by. And when you're done, you look up and go, wow, it's been two to three hours. And it, it doesn't feel like it at all.
0: Yeah. And, and I've shared out with you that, you know, I ordered it from a company and I got this notification and you were laughing at it because it said they sent it out and I'm not going to mention who they used and I get the notification and I go, can you believe this? It left their store, and it was in Charlotte in one day. So within one day, it was in Charlotte. And I was like, sweet, sweet. I'm going to have it in no time. And then I get uh, then I get the notification that says it will be delivered six days later. I'm like, what? It's in Charlotte. Well, hold on. For, for people who may not know, Tony,
1: you live in Charlotte, I do. correct?
0: I do. I live in Charlotte,
1: yes. And the game is in Charlotte. Right. Probably within, uh, Maybe half an hour of driving distance to your
0: house. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. six days, huh? That's what it said on the notice. So I started laughing about this, and I let you know this. And but it arrived three days early. Well, there you go. Maybe it's to it's it's so that when it comes
1: early, you're excited. So they like, oh, you know, they they're gonna under promise but over deliver.
0: Exactly. And I'm fine with that. And I know that they had to use a third party to get it delivered and all this. But when I got the box, I opened it up, Marty, and I'm like, good gosh, how big is this game? I mean, I unloaded 600 of these things. You and I unloaded 600 at Gen Con for Ignacy. And the box has to be a foot by a foot by a foot. So 12 inches all the way around, right? It's not 12 inches deep. It was. It's not twelve inches deep. So I will. Sh- it's that. It's it's like that. It's a standard box. The box it came in was that size. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the detective no, box.
1: No, I'm sorry. No, the detective. I'm sorry. Was what? Okay. Three inches? All right. Now I get you. There must have been a lot of packing in there.
0: I got nine inches of peanuts. <laughs>
1: Oh, Isn't that the worst? When you open up a box and the peanuts are packed to the top, but the thing that you're getting is about five inches deep. So you're trying not to get peanuts out all over the floor. And you can't do it. No, you can't. You can't pull the container out without peanuts going everywhere. So then you try to find another container to scoop out a handful of peanuts to put that into... So that you can get the product out.
0: Yeah. And normally I recycle the peanuts. I take them to a postal uh, place and say, here, Mm -hmm. take these peanuts, please. So I'm going to do that again. But yeah, I was just like, wow, how big is this? And then all of a sudden the box was there. But either way, I'm excited to play it. I've already watched watch it played and see how to play it. I'm going to have to watch, watch it played again. So I'm have a good understanding of it because I I want it to be a good experience for them. I don't want them to get, I don't want to get bogged down in rules and the rules are pretty straightforward. That's the beauty of this game, Tony. There's no rules to get bogged down into. Basically you, if you know
1: the rules, they really don't need to, because once you kind of get 10 or 15 minutes into it, then They'll know all that they need to know is basically when you decide what path you want to go to investigate, it costs a certain amount of time and you have a limited amount of time before the game ends. That's pretty much it. I think maybe the thing is make sure to spend a little bit of time with the Antares database and make sure you understand how it works. Yeah, I'll do
0: that. And I'm, I'm really excited uh, to get Ignacio. on. So he's waiting over there. He's finished up his cookie. Let's bring Ignacy onto the show. We would say we hate to interrupt our regular scheduled review session by bringing on another designer, but this man, mm, he needs no introduction here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. He's one of our best buddies, good friend. One of the few that can really make fun of us and get away with us. Everybody
2: can do that and get away with it. Everybody can get away with it, yeah.
0: Ignacy, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. How have you been?
2: Thank you for having me again. Uh, I'm awesome. I'm I'm very good. Uh, I released a new game. I'm preparing for releasing a new game. So great times for me.
0: First off, where is it? I need my hello, hello.
2: What, what, what? You always
0: start your show. Board oh. Games Insider with Hello, Hello. Where's my Hello, Hello? If I don't get a Hello, Hello, this is not an official podcast with Ignasi Hello, Hello,
2: Ignacio, like check Portal Games.
0: Thank you very there
1: much. There you go. All right. There you go. And I found out, so when we were trying to schedule uh, this this interview and, and trying to find the right time, um, Ignasi said there could be a conflict with something he wanted to watch, something I didn't know about. There's a volleyball world tournament going on right now is is that world championship
2: we are in a semi-final finals poland against america in a couple of hours well everybody says that america will win so we will see what will happen i'm rooting for poland i guess we are rooting for america we will sure. see uh we are in the medal zone so either we will have a gold or silver or bronze but we are very very uh uh-huh. hi, it's a semi semi finals, big thing here in in Poland.
1: Is this beach volleyball or is it six person? It's real volleyball. Beach volleyball is real volleyball.
2: It's it's your opinion, yes. It's it's your opinion.
1: Well I'm just I'm just curious because i I, I watch both. Now Ignacy, I know that you you play football or or American soccer. Did you ever play volleyball? I played
2: uh, volleyball, um, but uh, not super often, but a couple of times, of of course. But uh, volleyball is a great sport to watch. So I'm watching a national team uh, every time they play. Uh, We won... um, world championship four years ago we are now running running world champion we are defending the title and because in Essen we are able to meet with the fans from all over the 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 earth so when we won the championship uh, four years ago I met at Essen fans from Brazil we beat Brazil in the final so when I was signing his (laughs) box with the cow obviously I wrote Hello, hello, Poland is a world championship in volleyball. And then this guy, this guy is a ultra uh, portal fan. So he was visiting our booth every year. And every year I was drawing him a cow, still world championship. (laughs) <laughs> and I I guess I guess uh, I will meet him in a couple of weeks and we will see what I will have to draw him.
0: So w- with that in mind, you know, volleyball is one of those sports my daughter played and before you while you were eating your breakfast your protein bar Marty, we were talking about this. And one of the things I enjoy about volleyball is just the speed of the play. It's it, to me it's almost like watching hockey.
2: It's very entertaining to watch, yes.
0: Yeah. Because of the speed, the fast, it's quick. I mean, it's not like American football where there's a timeout. Go, go, stand in a circle, talk a few plays, and then go run out and then go do something for ten seconds. You know, so I, I, I enjoy watching football as well. But anyway,
1: Tony, I don't know if you know this, but I played competitive volleyball years ago. I played in leagues here. In wow, Chicago. you did. Oh, yeah. I played for like three or four years. I was really into it. There was a group of people who wanted to try it. And I never played organized volleyball. And I said, I go try out for it and, and played down at the uh, the YMCA in downtown
0: Charlotte was the main place that we uh, played. You go, big boy. Now, were you the, li- fun. Were you the libero? The little short
2: person in the back?
1: No, actually actually at that time I could jump okay, so I, I got to put the ball
2: down on the, on a few people here and there. So definitely you need to watch the match today. We need to
0: find it, Marty. We need to see if it's being um, shown.
1: Hey, I'm sure people, this is exactly what people wanted to hear about though when they joined in for this interview with Ignasi. Forget about the games coming out at Essen, we're talking international volleyball tournaments.
0: Well, they may not want to hear about that, but what they are wanting to hear from all of our special guests or anybody that comes on the show, like, Ignasi is doing is what type of lawnmower do you have, Ignasi? We know you've got one. You've got to have one. You got a home over there in Poland.
2: I have the very old, crappy, probably not working uh, 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 device or machine or whatever you call call it. I'm using it uh, once a year probably, and then I'm frustrated because it's uh, just doing lots of the noises and not that much of the work, and I'm putting it aside and waiting for the next year. So basically, um, yeah, you guys have a very fancy uh, stuff. Uh, as I heard in the podcast, um, I do not. So, so wait a
1: minute, is like, like your yard a jungle?
2: I wouldn't call it jungle, but well, it doesn't look uh, like uh, fancy fancy gardens on the pictures, yes.
0: So do you like... What do the cats slink through the grass? I mean, I know I saw you a picture with a cat on your shoulder that kind of looked like a parrot, but does it like enjoy the jungle aspect
2: of it? I mean, our cats cannot go outside because we have a dog who literally and really eats cats. And it happened in our, in our home a couple of years ago. It was Christmas Eve and our dog just ate our cat which was pretty funny for me, not funny for our daughter. And since then, we are not allowing our cats to go outside. Okay, that's dark. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> I thought it was funny, but now we just can't have dogs anymore. <laughs> I mean,
2: but but uh, I, I don't know where to go from here, Marty. <laughs> No, so basically, basically, this is very interesting because from the cartoons, from the cartoons, we know that dogs hate cats. But in real life, we don't experience that. Uh, Well, I experienced that in my house. Our dog literally ate our cat on Christmas Eve. (laughs) So, wait a minute. I shouldn't
1: be laughing. But
2: but I, I mean, I can just see the family sitting there. Oh, look, our dog just ate that cat you <laughs> oh whiskers where's whiskers you can't imagine how many jokes i had in my head back then and my daughter was crying and i had to shut up and i was just new joke popping up in my head second after second
0: but, but our audience needs to understand before they write in the hate mail here ignasi loves cats there's a beautiful picture of ignasi with a cat on his shoulder and he's got this beaming smile it was a life life lesson Correct. Kind of like when Marty's little dog um, discovered baby squirrels.
1: We have a a neighbor who helps uh, nurse uh, lost baby squirrels back to health. You know, that the parents get eaten by hawks or something like that. So they drop off these baby squirrels over at my neighbor's house. Well, she also loves dogs. So she's always inviting our dog over there, whose name is Zeke. And these squirrels are in a cage. I mean, they're in a locked up cage. Uh, so she gets up one morning after, after sleeping and goes in there, and the ta- cage has been ripped open somehow, and there's my dog sitting on the floor asleep with blood all <laughs> over
2: his face. Every family has its story.
1: <laughs> so uh, she was uh, not at all too happy. I don't even know how this dog, this dog who's only like 25 pounds, was able to pull a three-foot cage off a shelf somehow I'll get the door open and he's never shown any tendency of violence towards any other animal and it messed up his teeth. Now his teeth are all wonky because I guess he used his teeth to try to rip open the door and now his teeth are all messed up. So uh, I hope it was worth it because he has a funny smile now.
0: All right. So now that I know that your dog hates squirrels, I mean, so the goat is not an option in the yard.
2: I don't want goat. Mary might be interested in in this, in this idea. So let's, Cut it off. Edit this fragment. We don't want goat idea in the air because Mary may listen to that. No, we don't want any more animals. I have uh, two cats. I have uh, three dogs. I have uh, probably some animals that are hiding from me. I get that's it. <laughs>
1: You just have random animals lying around the house. It's like
0: oh I didn't know we had exactly that. okay Oh an iguana. Oh, nice nice well we got those there what, what are those things called? Skinks skinks what are skinks? Yeah I had to run one of those out
2: of the house last night in fact. three dogs what are the
0: names of the dog?
2: Uh, Rufi, Bella and Gina all kinds of all kind of shapes and sizes like uh, we have a huge dog. Who eats cats? We have a small dog who makes a lot of noises. Like we have all sorts of dogs. All right, Marty, we gotta get to.
1: Yeah, we gotta get to some games. Let's let's talk about uh, something that I know that you are probably still high on, oh. and that is the huge success of Detective that was uh, released at Gen Con. Uh, people have been playing it, sharing it, loving it. Uh, last week, I did a top ten sales list of uh, games for miniature market. It was number four on that list so it's doing really well you got to be feeling good about it
2: we yes we are we are having great time right now in the company we just released in poland uh, this wednesday which is uh, two days ago three days ago uh, we released the detective polish edition and we sold out the first day the whole print run uh, which created a uh, lots of uh, uh, problems because uh, we have no time to reprint the game before the christmas like everybody's surprised Uh, Some of our employees didn't manage to grab their own copy because our sales team just sold out everything, uh, which was quite ridiculous. It looks like we have a success. I would still wait a little bit longer, give this game a little bit more time. People are still playing the game. Uh, We are watching very carefully uh, BGG forums, BGG opinions, uh, ratings, etc. We see that many people are still playing, haven't rated the game yet. But the initial feedback, the initial symptoms, I would say, are very, very positive. So, yes, uh, a huge relief because um, it is always tough. Uh, You are working on a game for a year or two years. It is a huge process. And then you release the game to the public, and you are just scared of what will happen.
0: Yeah, I understand those people who haven't played it yet. I know what they're talking. I know what you're talking about, <laughs> there.
1: I got two more cases, Tony, that I can give the game to. I'm, you. Not, I'm I tired got of waiting. Case three. I'm
0: tired of waiting. I'm gonna go out to our local game store. I'm gonna pick up my own copy because my gosh, because because I know Ignacy has plans for more cases, and I might as well get my own now because. Uh, Like, I'm going to be able to get it back from you when he brings out expansions, right? Ignacy, you're bringing out expansions, right?
2: Uh, There is announcement that we will do announcement in Essen, and everybody who has any deduction skill uh, can figure out what we will announce. But yes, uh, it's, 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 (laughs) it's coming.
0: Okay, I had a successful game. Figure this one out, people.
2: Correct.
1: And I guess you are actually able to track how often this is being played by just the website statistics, right? You can go to the Antares database and see how many people has been logging in and how often they log yes, in. Yes, we were,
2: we, were, we were doing that uh, especially during the Gen Con and a few days after Gen Con because we were, we were trying to see if people are playing in the hotels during the Gen Con. And now uh, we are going to grab more data every month uh, to see if people are dropping after playing some of the cases, which is uh, information for us, which case is uh, not interesting for the players. So yes, we are able to uh, see a lot of data just seeing uh, how many people solved the case, was the score, average score for the cases. So all this information will be very, very helpful if we do. Expansions, which we haven't announced yet, but everybody knows that it will happen.
1: And what's so great about that? I guess is with the expansions, it's just a bunch of new cards. That's really all you need, right? Yes.
2: the The, the base box, the base box offers uh, for the players uh, characters, uh, pounds, uh, board, and then the new case is just a deck of the cards. Uh, so it is uh, super simple to produce them and uh, deliver to the customers. I wouldn't know. I hadn't seen the inside of the box yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I remember on uh this has been such a great
0: experience for our family. When we did, when we did case 2. Okay, I'm going to step out right now. I need to get something else to do Y'all go ahead and talk. Okay.
1: No, no, no. I I'm 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 not giving anything away. I'm not giving you spoilers away, but when we were playing case 2, I remember we thought we were killing it. Killing it. We had uh it actually got to the point I think in case 2 it gives us like 6 days to complete it. On day 5, we put in some information and the computer told us, oh, well, by the way, you've solved this case. You can stop right now if you want. We didn't. We said, let's go ahead and take the extra day and try to find out more information. So we get to the questionnaire, which is at the end of every case to enter in, answers the questions to see what your score is. We did horrible. I don't understand it. We came out of that going, we know everything we need to know. And then the questions came up. Do you know this? We went, no. Do we know that? No. And, and then it's like, our score wasn't that good at all. It was, it was like, I can't believe what did we miss? And then we go to the third case and I'm not going to say anything because you know, the third case it's kind of different. And we got to the end of that and we said, we did horrible, horrible. We don't, we don't hardly know anything. We go to answer some of the questions and we got some of them, right? We did a better score on that one. Do we did in case two? What are you doing to yeah, us? Yeah, this is,
2: this is a, like we were changing these questions uh, so, so, so many times. On one hand, we want to, these questions to be a little bit tricky, so it is not super, super obvious. But on the other hand, we don't want to make players uh, give the wrong answers. But I saw this so many times that people are playing the game, playing the case. I see that they understand everything. They have everything figured out. Then they see the test and they are just like blanking out, like a uh, student in the college. Like I have no idea what I'm doing and they're just clicking random questions. I don't know how the bra- the human brain works, but I was literally seeing so many groups that they figured out everything. Then they see the test and they just panic and have some doubts and then some doing some crazy, cr- crazy answers and have a lower score than I was expecting after seeing them uh, playing the game. So yeah, this this test moment. Is very very surprising for me. All
0: right, you can talk now, Tony. We're done. I don't, oh, done. are we moving on to something? Are, are we moving on to something else, Tony? I'm just saying you really should play this game. I think you'd have a lot. Oh, of Oh, I know playing. I would. As a matter of fact, like I said, if I go to the local game store today, if he has a copy, which is the reason why I haven't picked one up recently, it's just because well, it's hard to find. So, what is the schedule for reprints? And then I also have a follow up behind that.
2: At this point, the game is in stock. Uh, in distribution so um, every game store should be able to order it from the distributors and we have scheduled one more uh, one more shipment of the of the of the games to america late november so as far as for our estimations the game should be available in america for the whole season till end of the year and then the next year we will see what what will happen but at this point uh, I think we are fine. We have enough copies. Okay.
0: So, I mean, this is one of those, I, I'm guessing here, um, is a game, Marty, where if you open it right before the Christmas, let's say you've got relatives coming in, people who don't play the big board games like we do, but this is one of those games that I'm guessing that you can drop on the table with them. I mean, you told me it plays up to four players, and this is an excellent way to pass the times through the holidays with those guests.
1: Yeah, because there's some gaming elements to this, but it's so straightforward, Tony, you take care of that. The rest of it is honestly just it's an encyclopedia brown game. You're reading stuff, trying to get clues, trying to figure out uh, they give you each case is like, here, here's what you need to find out. Focus on that and then you try to to work towards that goal, take good notes. So It's the experience, the game part. You can just kind of run
2: that yourself, which is really straightforward.
1: And also, Tony, I just checked on Miniature Market. They have it in stock there.
0: Okay, well, there we go.
2: And I I talked with Rob Rob Davie, who played the game with his friends, and he said that he had some people who were very hardcore involved in the gameplay, like three of them. And then he had a bunch of friends who were just, you know, hanging around, asking what's going on and playing, like half playing, half just, uh, you know, hanging around. So even if you have in a family somebody who is not super into it, he may just play half, half play and half doing whatever he he wants. Like you don't have to be super, super involved, and yet you will have some fun just asking good players, "How are we doing? What you what are we thinking?" And he just can throw some ideas and then walk away. So this is a very casual game.
0: Yeah, I can understand that. Now, Marty, this. Is- when we were at Gen Con, and by the way, Ignacy, thank you so much for the opportunity to help set up your booth. <laughs> that was fun. That was very Tom Sawyer of you. Why don't you come try this? This is fun, guys. I, well, I'm sorry, but I had, I had fun a blast. getting on our hands and knees and putting the mats down on the floor, <laughs> it was fun. opening boxes, stocking things. That was a blast, and we cannot wait to do it again next year. I appreciate that.
1: I just hope there's not like 200 cases of whatever game you come out with next year, but you know that was still fun anyway. That was a lot of boxes.
0: Yeah, and I guess what was killing me, and we talked about this on the Gen Con show, is I'm sitting there with Ignasi, and he's smiling and everything. Uh, This is the fanboy in me, and these people are getting the game, and I'm like, people, this is Ignasi. Get him to sign the game. (laughs) But I wouldn't say anything because I didn't want to embarrass Ignasi, but next year, Ignasi, I'm doing that to you, man. This is Ignasi, people.
2: (laughs) What's wrong with you? That's a very fun moment when people who don't know me from the vlogs or from the Twitter or from the Snapchat or whatever, uh, they just find out that this uh, crazy dude standing next to them is a designer of of the game. It is always funny. Now, I don't know if you heard the, at the Gen Con the story from Bruno Catala. He was walking from the hotel to Gen Con and he saw a group of people playing um, Seven Wonders d- uh, Duel. And so he approached to them and uh, start conversation with them and he said hey I'm a Bruno Catala I'm the designer of this game and they didn't believe him and he had to show oh. them he had to show them ID to prove that he is Bruno Catala which is ridiculous
1: did you hear the uh, story that Rob Davio shared uh, I believe uh, you were at Grand, uh, Grand Con, Con yes. uh, Ignacio yeah. at, along Rob Davio and they said uh, Rob Davio said somebody got like in the elevator with them and found out uh, Rob Davio was a designer and they said Oh, they didn't know who he was, but they asked if he knew who Isaac Childress was, <laughs> and they said they were geeking out because Rob knew Isaac
0: <laughs> Childress, and I thought, wow, that's a little bit of a humbling experience right there for Rob. what was it um, Martin Wallace was telling us he was talking to a guy who was, who, was it a doctor or somebody in Australia? I can't remember. I mean, it's not like we just recorded with the guy, but... The the guy he's talking to is is a professional and he finds out that one of his favorite games Martin designed and Martin's sitting right there and he starts He never had any idea who the guy was, you know, didn't put the two together based on his name
2: But this is basically very very fun one because of course uh, Designers we are not celebrities like uh, Bruce Willis or Shakira, whatever, but still we have these random moments in the middle of nowhere that somebody recognizes you, I had this terrifying uh, moment in the, at the airport in Poland. Because as you guys know, I'm afraid of flying. So the moment I'm uh, walking into the airport, I'm already terrified. And then I'm walking to this airport and the, wom- the woman in the uniform from the, from the airport, like a, like a security, approaches me and she says, I need to take a picture of you. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I did something wrong. They will arrest me like what I did. And I say, what? And she said, no, no, I need to take a picture of you. And I was terrified. Of course, soon after, it turns out that she's a fan of uh, of Robinson Crusoe and fan of me. And she wanted a selfie with me. But for this split second, I was terrified. The security approaches me and we want a t- picture of you. And so, yes, this moment happens and it is very funny.
1: Wait a minute. When you came up with... Uh... You said you're not celebrities like, and the first two names that came to your mind was Bruce Willis, and did you say Shaquille? Shakira? Shakira. Oh, Shakira! I thought you said Shaquille, like a Shaquille O'Neal. I went, okay, that's a bizarre celebrity to come up with. All right,
0: sorry. I'm would be thankful they didn't come up to you security and say, "Excuse me, sir, we need to take you to the back room." Correct. Oh man, that that's pretty good. Uh, but no, that's just amazing me but next year, so get ready to start drawing some cows. But back to Detective, which you're going to probably announce something special at Essen on. Wow, I just forgot the question, Marty. You go.
1: Okay, I will. Moving on from Detective, no. you've got a couple brand new. Ge- what? No, there's some follow up to Detective. I'm sure there's. Uh... Well, then you can come back to it because I want to hear. I've already been playing Detective, Tony. I've been experiencing the game. Oh, I'm ready to hear oh, about do you the have, stuff do you I have haven't And the show notes for this for this episode, like anything? No, not when you're on. The show notes are just out the window. We're just going to get on the house. Okay, fun. okay. So, so for Essen, you've got two. Uh games coming out. One a brand new game and one an expansion. And we'll let you share those in whatever order that you want to. Uh
2: let's talk about the Monolith Arena. I have it he- Yes! I have it here with me. We just received a oh. sample from, from manufacturer. Everything is uh, everything is perfect. We are very happy with the production value. And the Monolith Arena is our second big release of the year. So we released detective and the next game is Monolith Arena. To titles from Portal games.
0: Don't tease me. Don't show something like that, and it's not sitting at Marty's <laughs> house. That's how. Oh, oh.
1: If you haven't heard about Monolith Arena, um, this is this is a Nurishima Hex mechanics in a different universe, more fantasy universe, universe, but with a new mechanical twist to it to separate it from Nureshim Hex. So can you tell us about this new mechanic?
2: Yeah, so uh, basic Humanoid Arena is, uh, as you you mentioned, a standard strategy game. There are four different armies. Each army has 35 tiles. Uh, These tiles represent the units, the soldiers, some magical runes that will support your soldiers, some orders, like classical strategy game, and you will be Placing these unis and these runes on the board and the classical classical strategy game. But the, the thing that Michael Orach came, came up with is this monolith, monolith. These are the plastic pieces that form a small tower on the board. And inside this tower, before the game starts, uh, in a setup phase, you are hiding some of your tokens. And your opponent has no clue what you put in this what you have put in these towers. And then the game starts, you're putting your soldiers on the board, you're giving them orders, you're shooting, uh, fighting. But at some point, you're able to reveal uh, this uh, this monolith, this tower, and uh, you show what you, you, what you have here. And there might be some super strong soldiers, there might be some magical runes, uh, all the things that can surprise enemy and help you out. In, in in this particular situation, so basically with this uh, addition to the game, uh, Michael made this game much more strategic. Like you can prepare some combo uh, up from the, before the game starts, and then during the game, besides the random draw of the of the units, random draw of the orders, you have something already pre-constructed that will surprise the uh, enemy, and it adds, it adds a lot of value to the game.
0: So from uh, the hex world we're still pulling from the bag to get our tiles is that correct
2: correct correct so All this right. gives a uh, loss of replayability because you have this 35 tiles you never know order in which you will get these tiles whatever you need the archer or the swordsman or the rune or you never know what will come up you always draw three tiles you discard one you play the other two but before the game you have something hidden something special that you will reveal during the game
1: so it's almost like as if you're uh Almost like maybe thematically your base has a couple units within the base that uh, nobody can see because they're behind the walls of the base and anytime they can come out and help defend against the base or attack. Correct,
2: correct.
0: So it's the fog of war concept. Like what is he going to do? What's the surprise? Along with what's in his hands, how is he strategizing around that?
2: And it has it has this uh, feeling of, uh, I don't know how much you played uh, Magic the Gathering. I know that you played a lot of CCGs. Uh, but it is uh, like in the Magic the Gathering, we are sitting at home and thinking about creating the best deck possible to surprise enemies, right? to su- surprise the other player. Here we are literally sitting at home and thinking which tokens I could hide in this tower, in this monolith, to surprise my uh, my opponent. I don't know if you heard this, this story when I was trying to uh, to break the game and create a super awesome combo. I, I, I was playing dwarves. And I came up with this amazing combo. I hide two tokens in the tower. I thought it is very powerful, maybe overpowered. So I sent a text message to Michael Oraj with the picture. I said, Michael, here's my combo. Is it legit? Because it's very, very powerful. And Michael just texted me back. And uh, he was very mean to me because he said my combo sucks. And Ooh. he immediately... <laughs> He immediately sent me four text messages with the four combos he playtested and they were like 10 times better than my combo. And then he sent me the last text message, which was Ignace, I tested it all. Don't worry, chill out. <laughs> uh, so basically, yes, you can come up with the amazing, crazy, crazy combos in this game. Only with these few tokens, uh, but preparing beforehand, it gives you a lot of uh, edge against your opponent
0: we can understand when a designer comes back to you and looks at you and says you're stupid we've had that happen to us
1: <laughs> multiple times
0: yeah and, and maybe one that's on the show right now when we were learning uh, imperial settlers
1: <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah that's what started off this great friendship <laughs> i guess the surprise will be one so you're playing you'll, you'll see what your comp- uh, opponent has and that'll be the you know, based on you only just surprise them just once, but once you deploy those units, they stack back up again after you use them. Or do they stay out on the board?
2: They stack up back. So your aim is to as soon as possible try to kill these dudes that are that are in this tower, that are in the monolith. So when the monolith will stack back, it will be empty. But it is a quite quite a task, quite a challenge to have everything prepared that you will be able to pull it off and kill these dudes before they will hide again. So it's a, quite a strategy. Uh, challenge.
1: But uh, when you deploy the tower, and I'm trying to remember from the rules that you taught me at the Dice Tower Con, that you have to have adjacent spaces to be able to deploy out too. So isn't just a good basic strategy as just try to
2: defend,
1: uh, try to put units around an opponent's base so they can't deploy the monolith?
2: This is exactly one of the new strategies in the game that not only you want to attack an enemy base, because it's a goal of the game to destroy the opponent base, but basically to not give him space to open this monolith. And it's one of the new strategies, new tactics that you have to keep in mind that you need this space, you need this space to reveal this monolith and uh, show your combo. So sometimes you may have super strong units in the tower, you put them before the game, and they will never be... Able to act because you are just in the corner and you have no able no no possibility to reveal it. So yes, there's an additional layer, layer of uh, of strategy.
0: And so, Marty, for us, I mean, for this game, it is going to be one of the things that we love. We love the, the bag draw. Always have. I mean, we talked about this with War Chest. It's or, not really a bag, but just just no, when you draw the the well the tiles. You know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, then why I don't think there's a bag though. You're, you're you're being like my wife again. You're correcting me. You knew what you meant. Okay. All right. <laughs> And then, then the deck building strategy.
1: Well, I mean, it's not. Well, I mean, it's like you set aside three, but it's the same 35 tiles every time.
0: The strategy of the monolith. Were you not listening? These are the things we enjoy.
1: Oh, I, oh, I'm totally listening. I'm just debunking what you're calling these things. But go ahead. Fine.
0: You can debunk them all you want, but it's what we enjoy in a game.
1: Yes, it is. <laughs> Keep going. No, I'm
0: done. I'm. I'm out. That's it. No. Are you going to call it area control worker placement game too? Is this well? You these are your workers when you're putting them on the board to battle.
1: I, knew it. I, knew it.
0: I can make anything <laughs> a worker placement game. You know that. And I can do a flow chart for any game. So this is not a problem.
1: All right. So I do have one basic rules question though. When you deploy the monolith, do they all have to come out or can you just pull one out? Everything. So, uh, But other than that, it's pretty much if you've played Niroshima Hex, aside from the monolith, everything else plays the same.
2: Yes. And it is, yes, it is very interesting. At the conventions, for example, at the Grand Con, we were presenting the game without the monolith rules because we treat them as advanced variants. So we were just presenting the game Game as it is as neroshima hacks, and uh, i cannot explain that i don't know how it works probably we need somebody smarter than me to understand that but uh, only changing the theme of the game and only changing these post-apocalyptic monsters into the fantasy universe that is so much easier to understand and to grasp that elves are fast That dwarves have the shields the demons can teleport it adds uh, some amazing value to the game and uh, Now I have at home Monolith Arena and Naroshima Hex. And I do play in Monolith Arena. Of course, I know it is new for me, so I'm more excited about this. But still, when I play the the Human Empire, which has a knight, these knights can charge, which is super, super cool. I understand that. that I I feel like, okay, I have a knight, they are horses, we are charging, we are killing somebody. And then Mary is playing, for example, demons. And these demons are teleporting all over the place and changing position. And somehow it is so much more vivid in my head, so much more interesting that I can imagine because, of course, I'm a geek. Of course, I love fantasy novels. And I love this stuff. So having dwarves and elves uh, is making this game better for me, even though it is exactly the same rules as Naroshima Hex. So uh, I'm very optimistic about this game. It has this alleged system that, you know, Michael designed this in 2005. This is like wow. 13 years ago. This is insane. It was released in Essen 2007. Then it was released by Z-Man Games 2008 in America. And the years were passing. More and more people were uh, rec- recognizing the game, knowing the game. It's still popular. It still sells like crazy. And now with this fantasy universe, I'm, I'm very optimistic because it's a great system.
0: Oh, yeah, I enjoy the game. Love the game. So what is the chances that, let's say, Monolith Arena takes off? Will, Michael, will you look at bringing some of the armies over, or will it always remain fantasy?
2: Yeah, so Michael has now a difficult task to support both lines, Naroshima Hex and Monolith Arena. We will see in upcoming years uh, how fast he can come up with the Uh, new expansions, new armies, if you want to transfer some armies from Neroshima Hex into the monolith arena, what will happen? Uh, But basically, this is a system that Michael knows very well, as we can imagine, right? Mm -hmm. So for him, creating these new armies is quite, quite uh, easy, easy task. Of course, there is always a challenge of balancing these armies. This is uh, something that takes him... Uh, the most time like uh, creating a new army for him is a couple of weeks and he has this idea for the army and then there are these long weeks of playing over and over and over again so we will have as a publisher uh, support Michael and provide him uh, playtesters to help him uh, balance the armies Uh, but I have a huge hope that fans of Naroshima Hex will have a new content and fans of Monolith Arena as well. But first of all, we need to release the game. Then somebody has to like the game. Then somebody has to ask me for the expansions. And then we will ask Michael to design it. So small steps.
1: Yeah, I guess we're putting the uh, the cart before the horse. You talked about the theme. And I think that's that may be one thing that maybe appeals to to some people. While I like the post-apocalyptic themes. I like Mad Max and stuff. The factions and stuff in Hiroshima Hex, when I see them, I don't really know what they do until I look into them. But fantasy tropes are so common. A lot of people understand, oh, the dwarves are usually tough and have good weapons. Elves are usually fast and have ranged weapons. Humans have a little bit of everything. So in people's minds, I think when they see these standard kind of fantasy factions, they kind of quickly know what those factions might do.
2: Exactly the case. Exactly the case and we saw it at the grand con, like I was saying to people, okay, now you play yellow, yellow is a dwarf, you have a shield, you are tough, you defend. And immediately the player knew the basic strategy of this army. And this is exactly what you are saying. It is easier to grasp at the very beginning.
1: Yeah, so I know that's going to be a a big appeal for me. Now I saw uh, (laughs) a very uh, sad, uh, upset Ignacy earlier this week posting out on Twitter saying that you, you need some more thumb ups in the uh, the Essen preview out on BGG for uh, Monolith Arena, uh, talking about how Detective and stuff, uh, th- those were getting a lot of thumbs up, but Monolith Arena hadn't even broke the uh, top 200 yet. So, first, has it broken into the top 200 since you made that request? And and why do you think that people aren't giving it the, the love you we think it should have?
2: Yeah, so me being upset uh, terrified our fans so we get a lot of thumbs up and now we are in i think top 100 uh, in a geekly so me yelling at our fans helped a lot
1: (laughs) Me yelling at the fans (laughs) threatening the fans yeah
2: this is a good strategy Uh, and yes, with Monolith Arena, we officially, officially, we are starting promotion, uh, on Monday. So in two days. So, uh, as you already saw on the Twitter, we already have a landing page for the game, monolitharena.com, where you can learn about the game. But technically, we were pushing very strong Detective. We were promoting Detective. And this week, uh, on Wednesday, uh, three days ago, there was official release of a Detective in Poland and in Europe. And officially, I stopped uh, pushing and promoting Detective, and now we are changing gears and starting promoting Monolith Arena. So, since now people will start learning about the game, and I hope they will start giving them, giving the game the thumbs up, because uh, we will post the rulebook, we will post the pictures, we will post the gameplay, etc., etc. So it starts. It slowly starts. The game will be released in Essen for Europe, and two weeks after Essen in America. So we have a couple of weeks now to convince players that the Monolith Arena is a great strategy game for them.
0: And that's at portalgames.pl EN.
2: Okay, Mari, we've done that obligation. We're done.
0: <laughs> Is this our one commercial? Is this our like 45-minute commercial for the uh, for this? No, episode? that was it right there where he was talking about the website and all. That's what we do. So there you go. We're <laughs> done. We got that obligation. We'll get the other two in later. So that's excellent.
1: All right. So uh, Detective just came out in Poland. Monolith Arena coming out of Essen. You're getting ready to do a big push for it. So make sure to follow the website. I'm sure follow Ignacy on Twitter.
0: When's it coming out in the US? When's Monolith?
1: He he's Said it was like
0: two weeks after Essen.
1: Were you not listening?
2: My English is that poor. Come on.
0: No, it's not that. I think <laughs> I was uh trying to figure out how to work the commercial in. So anyway.
1: <laughs> okay. So anyway, it's two two weeks after Essen. Uh, but you also have a, another expansion coming
2: out for one of our favorite games, Imperial Substance. Oh, this is so good. What's it called, ignasi I have a problem with the name. I cannot pronounce it. Is it Amazon? Amazons? I don't know. Amazons. Amazons. Amazons? I don't know how to pronounce it in English. This is very confusing. Bonacor is correcting me every single episode of our, our podcast.
0: Okay, but he only gets to correct you once on that, because you have to correct it'd be like Marty and I when we try to pronounce designer names. He he can't he can't do any of those.
2: So this is Amazons or whatever you call them. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you call them. Hey, he's he's
0: taking me taking notes from me.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> It's a very neat expansion anyway <laughs> uh, this is expansion that was uh, fully inspired by terraforming Mars mm. uh, I was playing, oh. yes I was playing terraforming Mars and I loved the game and in terraforming Mars you have a lot of cards that you just play them and uh, they increase production of one of these resources and they are done like you never use them right so there's a lot of such a cards and and I liked it a lot so because it's a very simple a simple mechanism and I try to think if I can do something like that in Imperial Setters that you just play the card it has a building bonus and that's it and you never play with this, this card again and we start playtesting uh, uh, such a faction and uh, and actually we managed to pull it off and now most of the cards in the Amazon faction has just a building bonus when you play the card you get some resources or some victory points or whatever and the card is done it, it, it doesn't have any action or something like that but we created a very small rule when you build on top of such a location this card that you built on top of is shuffled back to your deck and therefore we achieved deck building in the, in, in the imperial setters because now we are choosing which cards you want to have back in your deck and with that is a great great choice mm. for the players because they have like in front of them 10 or 15 Amazon factions built And now they choose which one they want to put back into the deck. And what I was asking playtesters and what was my designing goal was that in the last round of the game, the fifth round, I wanted my playtesters to have in the deck about six, seven, maybe eight cards. And I wanted them to precisely know what cards they have in the deck. Because they were just, for the four, four rounds of the game, they were just building this deck, adjusting this deck, so they have exactly knowledge what they have in the deck and they they're just recycling discounts, build, rebuild, reshuffle, build, rebuild, reshuffle, and this is crazy, crazy combos going on. I love this faction a lot. It's very simple. There is no usage of new tokens, no usage of uh, new rules. It's just a one simple rule. When you build on top of an Amazon faction card, this card gets shuffled back to your deck.
1: But I guess it's the same rule that... So so this is the Amazon faction card, so it goes on the left side of the board. Yep. And you build another Amazon faction card on top of it, but you get to shuffle that one back into your deck. Correct. Because okay. I was going to say you do have some cards on the right side, the non-faction, that... Just have a building bonus, and that's it. But you use those to build your faction cards. Correct. Okay.
0: Imperial Settlers. I'm I'm still waiting for my expansions to come out. I'm still waiting for um Robinson, Stronghold. Well,
1: hold on, hold on. We'll jump to that one in a no,
0: second. No, I mean, okay, fine. Um, uh, Amazon's is an amazing faction. I understand. Okay, add to Imperial <laughs> Settlers.
1: Wow. <laughs> Amazon's amazing faction. Sounds great. Hey, I saw that you have a playmat that you just released this week for Imperial uh, Settlers. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, thing. whoa, whoa. Yeah, did you not see it, Tony? No, I haven't gone to por- portalgames.pl. That's
1: right. Now has this play mat that they've talked about where it's just basically a place to play your cards. It has the nice little Imperial Settlers graphics on it, a place in the middle for uh, uh, putting your faction boards and the cards on the left and right. It's really cool looking.
2: So That's the moment when me being a boss of the company is an awesome moment because I told my production, <laughs> I want my playing mat for Imperial Settlers. Make it happen. <laughs> and I have my playing mat for centers I'm very happy. And of course, we put it in our web stores over, but they can have it. But it was precisely just me wanting to have a playing mat. And I, I, I'm very happy to have this. this power in the component to just have it. Uh, but the, the mat is the mat is amazing, and I think the, all, all the fans will be very, very happy. It's cute. It has all these small drawings, all these small uh, little 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 humans going and having some adventures. You can literally look at this playing mat and see all these funny scenes my artwork mm, my department uh, designed there. So it is very nice to play with. Uh, but basically, it was just me uh, dreaming about something like that.
0: Well, why can we not dream about a neoprene Hex mat.
2: Uh, we will have, Ooh. we have, we have a mat for a monolith arena for S P orders. So there is a mat for a monolith arena. And uh, I can tell you it was not yet announced, but uh, let's, let, let's do it. We are just producing a mat for 51st state. I know that you guys like the game. So oh. here you have. Uh, we we have it in production right now, and it will be announced in a couple of weeks.
1: The Amazon sound amazing. I love that concept yes. of being able to uh, towards the end of the game, kind of know. What's going to be uh, in your in your deck that's coming out? Is it typically those new cards that just have a one building bonus thing? Is it just giving you resources? Is that what most of them do? Is there some that do something else besides give resources?
2: There, yeah, there is there is a ton of crazy uh, abilities like uh, activate all building bonus, activate all red cards, building bonus, get a victory points for everything like that. You are just putting a card, activate some crazy combo, and that's it. And then you will shuffle it back to, uh, to your deck and in the deck there is also lots of abilities that can say something like draw three cards from your deck, keep one, remove from the game the other one and shuffle back the third one. So we are adjusting your deck over and over again so at the end of the game, like the, the final moments of the, of, the, of the game, you precisely know what you have in the deck and these are the cards that you wanted to have in your deck so you can then draw them and, and win the game. It's a amazing way to try to control every single card in the deck is a very fulfilling moment
1: i actually love this that you said that there's the, no new really no no new tokens no new rules so it's not like uh, introducing new things are going to be on the board and new mechanics where you have to kind of figure out
2: the the rule book it's super if you, simple, if you know how to yeah. play
1: imperial settlers it's just there's this one thing oh by the way when you build on this it goes back in your deck
2: Correct.
0: Exactly. There's only one rule. Yeah. Amazons sounds amazing. See, I, th- I think somebody's already <laughs> said that on this show, but anyway. Except he says Amazons. Amazons. Am- How do you say it? How do you say it? Amazings. How do you say it, Ignostius?
1: Amazing. 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 Amazings. Amazing sounds amazing. See, I guess it should be Amazings.
0: And from our standpoint, since we're not using new icons or anything, I'm sure he's enlarged the font a little bit on these cards, right? <laughs> We can't get everything. I
2: can I I cannot promise that.
1: <laughs> I cannot promise that. <laughs> hey, you know what the good thing is, Tony? Monolith Arena has no writing oh. on the tiles whatsoever. H. It's
2: uh, oh, oh, oh 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 Monolith Arena has uh, significantly bigger tiles than Hiroshima Hex.
0: Your gamers are getting older, Ignacy. I'm sorry. It was
2: you who said that.
0: But wait until you play detective and see the font on those cards. I cannot wait.
1: Ma- make sure you have Rebecca handy, your daughter, to read the cards for you. I've
0: got my painter's glasses, my three times glasses, so I, c- I can get <laughs> that handled. It's in, It's in the miniature market cart. Okay, we're good with that. All right, so amazing Amazons. We've got a Robinson expansion. We've got nothing for Fifty First State. Oh, wait
1: a minute! You got a Robinson expansion? What's that? Yeah, he's
0: got a Robinson expansion. He better—he's been teasing a Robinson expansion about the lost city of Z.
2: Correct. Mystery Tales is in production yes! right now. We finished the, um, the everything with that. It is sent to production, and it will be released um, early next year. Is our first first release in the next year. It's a huge big expansion, and for the 51st state, right now, right this weekend, we are having a play testing of the new expansion. It's all it's almost ready. We send out the PDF with the new cards you know, to the play testers uh, all over the the world, and we are waiting for the re- reports. I received my. Uh, uh, my sheet uh, to play this this weekend so yes new expansion for 51st state uh, also early next year
0: hey you notice how he just likes to do that to us marty he's he he puts on the video all these you know promos and and production copies and says see what you boys are missing right here See what, he, see what he's doing to us?
1: He actually shared that uh, earlier this week on social media. I think you sent out saying, hey, playtesters, you got something coming your way for 51st
0: State. Yep. Oh, yep. you know, if I was on social media and I'm so glad that you've taken over Instagram, I'd probably see these things.
1: Uh, that still hasn't happened. But you know okay. I, mean? I need to share a picture of a snake skin I found yesterday on Instagram. That's what I need to share. That's
0: what you need to share.
1: Squirrel. It was a two foot snake skin. Right beside our driveway, going into the house. What kind? I, I think it's a black snake. It was hard to tell. There were rings around it, but the rings were pretty far apart. So I'm hoping it was black and not a copperhead. Uh,
0: do, well, a copperhead is going to be big and fat, where the black snakes going to be long and thin.
1: I'll send you a picture of it. Maybe you can identify okay. it. Okay. Do you have snakes over in Poland?
2: Only if you buy them in in a store to have them. I mean,
1: really, they're not in the wild.
2: On uh, what? I don't think so. Like, I hope not.
0: oh Oh. okay well i I need to move to poland well next time you're in florida in dice tower i'm sure if you walk around you can find a rattler
2: yeah when i was in florida and i saw some alligators or whatever you call them i wasn't feeling super awesome (laughs) i
1: wasn't feeling awesome yeah okay so i'll just let you know that uh dog that ate the cat don't get that dog around that gator (laughs) yeah
2: yeah
1: Yeah, and it's so funny, Tony. Uh, recently, uh, last episode, we had on Martin Wallace, who's in Australia, who has like the 10 most dangerous animals in the world. And then we come in here with Ignacy, who's in Poland, and it's like, yeah, we don't even have snakes. <laughs> well, I
0: mean, it's too cold there. Or uh, Okay, so we've got Robinson, uh, Lost City of Z, and we know that the Lost City of Z was about the search for the city, and it was in South America, right, Ignacy? All right. Correct. So there were no beaches, so we don't have to worry about that aspect. It'll be interesting to see how you do that story.
2: In the box, you will find one standalone scenario and you will find uh, five scenarios uh, campaign. And this campaign is, uh, as you mentioned, uh, about the story of the Colonel Fawcett uh, who got missing uh, in this area. And players are the rescue team who needs to find him and bring him back to to Great Britain. Um, uh, Of course, I will not spoil the story, but basically it is... uh, a very thematic uh, campaign with the twists uh, and there is a storybook uh, with the paragraphs that you l- read and learn the story. So besides the euro elements and just trying to survive, you will have an additional piece of a story. There is a whole diary of the, of the Colonel Fawcett that you can read and learn about his adventures. So we put a lot of work in that, uh, but I believe it will be super, super interesting and narrative experience for the players. Mm, and it is very difficult because it's a uh, horror story-driven. So there is uh, monsters and cultists and dark magic and all crazy stuff.
0: And I mean, you can, like you said, you based, you read the book Robinson Crusoe, and you got your ideas from that. Did you go and watch the movie The Lost City of Z, or were you reading the books about it?
2: Yes, I, I watched the movie, uh, and it's uh, absolutely brilliant. I strongly recommend a uh, very interesting movie. And uh, yes, the, for those who watch the movie or read the book and uh, this campaign will be even more interesting because they will recognize some uh some elements okay
0: and then along with uh, stronghold the undead um that's going to be out when it's only been three years ignasi
2: <laughs> no 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 so uh, let's let's put things in the order this gen con i was not awarded with the squirrel award for delaying stronghold undead for three years in a row i was very disappointed And I decided that I will no more and no longer delay the expansion because there is no award for that. So actually Stronghold Undead is going to print uh, and going to production like... If there is no award for delaying, whatever, I will do the okay. expansion.
1: <laughs> so now we know it's our fault, Tony. He was purposely delaying just so he could try to get a squirrely award.
2: Yeah, you gave me you gave me the hour for the first delay. I thought it's cool, and I'm starting delaying it. Uh, but there was no follow up for the award. <laughs> well,
0: well uh, will you use uh, if we get yeah. use a squirrely world next, next year? Which I'm pretty sure you have got a shoe in in one game. But are you going to use it as a hold up for your? Third uh, edition of your um, board games that tell stories, and when is that Kickstarter starting? Huh? Is that going to be a book holder for you?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, I, I wanted this Kickstarter to be in September, but Essen and conventions, and I had to mo- mo- move it uh, later. But yeah there will be Kickstarter for board games that tell stories, Volume Three. That's for sure. If I get our Squirrel for and that either delaying it or producing like whatever, I get it for ev- anything. I will use it uh, to help my books being in the right order.
0: Oh, okay. See, Marty. Once again, it serves more of a purpose than just being an award. It's a bookends. And when did you become a? I'm going to get. I'm going to alienate some people here, but I don't care. When did you become a millennial, Ignasi? When do I have to award just for doing something with you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a participation squirrely. <laughs> Oh, it has become an award. <laughs> Thank you, Ignacy. Here is your 2018, 20, no 2019 Squirrelly for just participating in game design. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's he's like, I should get something for not doing anything. All right, let's recap everything here. Detective is out now. We got Amazons. I think that's what he says. The expansion coming out for Imperial 7. No, 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 no. It's
2: not, no, no. It's not how I say it. Let's put it how people are saying that. Amazon's. We use the we use the prop. Yes, we pro, we use the proper name. <laughs>
1: all right. At essence, you got uh, Amazon's. Now I'm going to say Amazons. I got to get it out of my head. Uh, the expansion for Imperial sellers. Brand new Monolith Arena uh, coming out. You've got the new Robinson expansion coming out. Now, obviously, those are all expansions. Monolith and Detective are the brand new ones. I guess you've probably got plans for brand new games in 2019. Probably already
2: on the books. Yes, we uh, in essence we will have a small keynote with some a small announcement. But the big, big event and the big uh, keynote for Portal games is as every year PortalCon, mm-hmm. and this year it will be held 26th of January. We will make uh, a lot of uh, announcement during this event. Of course, we will send a press release before this. Uh, Events. There will be a live stream from Poland. From these keynotes, these keynotes will be in English, and we will announce a couple of new titles uh, for the 2019. So yes, we know uh, what are we going to pro- to produce. Of course, we are working on these titles right now. And the big keynote, big announcement will be 26th of January 2019 a live stream. Uh, on our YouTube channel and Facebook channel, etc.
0: So, PortalCon, how many days is it and what is the weather like in Poland in January?
2: Uh, The weather sucks because it's a a winter, so it's very cold uh, and gloomy and uh, the the takes two days with the Saturday being the main day day because because of the keynotes and this uh particle portal con this upcoming is very special for us because we will be celebrating celebrating twentieth anniversary of portal games we I founded wow. the company 20 years ago in Poland. Amazing. Uh, so, so we are we are inviting uh, employees who work with, with me back then. We are inviting some designers who are doing games for us. It will be a very, very special event for me and for the whole company. We expect a lot of uh, hardcore fans from Poland. So on one hand, big announcement and big keynotes, on the other hand, just a dinner with the fans and uh, presenting the old games. And I will bring prototypes of my most famous designs. Uh, And it will be a very, very special uh, weekend for me, 20 years of my work. That's amazing.
1: And I assume that one of those big games that you announce at keynote is what Tony and I will be unboxing and putting on shelves at Gen Con next year.
2: Uh, I hope so, yes, that's the plan. We will have a, we will have, we will have one, we will announce one title for Gen Con and we will announce one title for a... Essen, and we will announce a couple of other things. So, yeah, there will be a uh, lot of uh, nice surprises for the fans.
0: Yeah, I was checking the and finances, and I, uh, uh, those flights are kind of expensive, Marty. So, I was going to say, if the weather was good, I could probably talk Don into a little vacation. She really wants to go to Poland. Now, where do you hold this, Ignacy? What city?
2: It is a Gliwice. So, this is our city, and we are we are having a very nice, very modern uh, building with the stage, like in a the theater uh, so it will be very professional, nice keynotes. And then there's a huge game room and we will uh, uh, give our fans a lot of uh, prototypes, a lot of uh, games from the past. Uh, my very first uh, game, board game I ever designed, like all those crazy, crazy events. Uh, Michael Orach, special guest of the convention, like uh, it will be huge for uh, for us. Uh, I'm already preparing for that even though there is a fourth month left. And people are making
0: travel arrangements, where's the best city to fly into if you're coming from the States?
2: Katowice. Katowice is the closest airport. It is like a 40 minutes drive from the Katowice. And uh, we had in, uh, in the past, we had a couple of fans from Germany, from Hungary, uh, from France, from Italy. Um, local, local flights in Europe are not that expensive. So if you're a hardcore fan of uh, Portal Games and if you want to celebrate... Uh, 20th birthday of the of the company. It may be a, a good idea to spend an absolutely crazy weekend in Poland.
1: You ne- hopefully you're designing a 20th anniversary logo for yourself.
2: Yeah, that's that's the task for for our team. But yes, basically we want. This next year being uh, very special because uh, 20 years, like uh, as you guys know, because I said it in many interviews, and basically 20 years ago I dropped the college and I told my parents I'm dropping the college. I'm not going to be engineer. I'm founding company, and nobody, including me, ex- accepted back then that uh, I will build a company that will strive and grow and be on the market for 20 years
0: and would you have ever thought 20 years from now that you would be where you are sitting on your saturday afternoon talking with a bunch of fools in in charlotte north carolina
2: (laughs) i didn't see it coming that's for sure
0: but marty man that does sound amazing I don't know if you should put in the tones for as many times as we said amazings on this show today.
2: I think it's
1: pronounced amazing. um,
0: uh, There you go. Amazing. Uh, Oh, and where's the uh, the t-shirts? They need to be on the website. Oh, man, I wish you had a Redbubble site for all your portal stuff instead of, so I wouldn't have to do the portal shipping from poland because Redbubble, you know they can produce them anywhere and ship them anywhere
2: so uh, in, uh good that you're mentioning because uh, we are now working we are now working on a, a separate store for the american customers because there's so many fans in america and shipping from poland is ridiculous so in upcoming uh, months i don't know if it will take us two or three months but basically we are working on this right now Uh, We will have our stock and our product in America in a warehouse, and uh, the customers from America will order the stuff from our web store, and it will be shipped from America, so the shipping prices will drop uh, very much in upcoming months. And uh, we will have uh, new products, uh, and we will have a lot of good news for the customers in America.
1: From years ago, I still have my Nurishima Hex um, logo shirt, my faction logo shirt. I hope you do some of those from Monolith Arena for the different factions. Those are fun.
2: Yep yeah because uh, it we we, we see at the conventions that this is the perfect way to manifest uh, your love to the uh, to the game uh, manifest your love to the faction it is uh, great for the company because you promote our our game it is great for you because you can say hello i am the moloch i am the robots so it is a win-win situation and uh, yes we will have them in stock all.
0: i just want one with my sunny beach card Shirt that I can walk. I, I mean, I still have my Imperial Settlers one with the um, Stormtrooper helmet. Oh, I do too. Yeah. That's I do too. That's, yeah. Very,
2: that's very cool t shirt. That's an awesome shirt.
0: So, ignasi unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up here today, though we could probably talk to you for another hour, goofing and having a good time talking about pretty much everything tea, cookies, whatever we wanted to talk about. But we know your time. Dogs
1: is. eating cats. Dogs, it's yeah. just amazing. <laughs> we, we, we've we learned a lot this uh, interview, Tony. I, as uh, We
0: got to have him on more often. That's all there is to it. But he's a busy man. He's got his podcast with Stephen Bonacore. So if you're not if you're not listening to that, now they have a hard time hitting regular strides like we do. I mean, you know, sometimes it may be every other week. Sometimes it may be once a month.
2: Having a chance to be with you, I can just say that I was going to record with Stephen this Tuesday. And then I have this Skype message from him that he's in Mexico having vacation, and he is not able to record. So, like, just saying, like, it is hard with him.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I know. And he's with Rodney Smith in Mexico, who keeps dropping pictures of like, "Look, I'm in Cabo. Look at these beautiful pictures. Look what I'm doing." What are they? Like, what are they doing uh, down there?
0: Is this board game?
1: Oh no, this is just going out and having a good. time. I think uh, Bonacor has family members or something has a resort. Uh, down there in Cabo, yeah. and he gets he gets to go. Has he ever invited you, Ignacy? Has he ever invited you and Ignacy, uh, you and Mary, to go?
2: No, no, no. I was just sitting here in Poland uh, waiting for the Skype call from Steven, and there was no Skype call from him this week.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, uh, he invites these people to go with him on this trip, but you, who are his co-host, fellow board game designer, fellow publishing owner, has never invited you to this Cabo vacation. Is that correct?
2: I, I'm happy that you pointed it out. Like, uh, thank you.
0: Uh, yeah, you're welcome.
2: I think you need to delay that Undead expansion some more
0: because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's another year? <laughs> That'll teach him. Ignasi, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for all your support of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. We really do appreciate it. And, th- and more importantly, thank you for producing such incredible games and what your company has done for all of us in the industry uh hobby uh, we love it we, we look i mean detective huge success I here you really ought to play it sometimes it do it's good
2: thank you
1: With every big gaming convention, people are going to be looking for creative ways to store and organize their games, and you could do that by checking out TheBrokenToken.com. They will be at Essen this year, and if you're going to be going, make sure to walk by their booth. Check out their huge... uh, dice tower contraption they have on the side where you can drop dice all the way through and those are the dice towers that are stackable and you can get those you can get these stackable card organizers plus each of the organizers for each of the individual games so make sure to go check out their site sign up for their newsletter and you could do that at thebrokentoken.com
0: ignasi was kind enough to let us get a early copy of monolith arena now marty from my standpoint i think the man otis at least that,
1: <laughs> <Why is> that?
0: <laughs> well let's see we've let him come on the show we set up his booth for him we've, right. done, we've done a lot of extra work for the man so you know i said well hey Throw us a bone over here. Well, he is throwing us a bone by,
1: by being a sponsor. This uh, is true. And we need to be upfront about this. this he is, is a sponsor of the show, so we're getting ready to talk about a game that he's getting ready to put out. But this isn't like a review of like what we think of the game because people say, well, you just like the game because he's your sponsor. Right. But people who are fans or not fans because we don't have any of those people. We just have an audience. About audience. That? Right. Uh, people who have been listening to the show for a while know that we like Nurishima Hex. Yes. And we've liked that for a long time. So let's what we want to do is compare Monolith Arena to Nurishima Hex and maybe, uh, maybe about War Chess because you and I really enjoy War mm-hmm. Chess, which is a two-player abstract game where you put tokens or things on the board and, right. and fight and see what and give suggestions on why people may like one maybe over the other
0: so let's do the obvious comparison so let's
1: do the obvious thing first is we want to thank carolina tabletop games <laughs> yes for letting us use his storeroom to record tony and i had to meet uh so that we could get this recorded and put out uh before the next episode so we played out there and it got super crowded and uh, the owner of the store, Rob, said, you know, if you want to, you can go back and use the storeroom and uh,
0: record. So that's, that's where we are now. So here we are. Let's compare the obvious one. Let's go Hex versus the new Hex, Mono- Monolith Arena,
1: which, you know, you heard Ignacio talk about It was designed by Michael Oryx, Oryx, O-R-A-C-Z.
0: He, he's an Amazon. He's man. an Amazon designer. Yes, he is. <laughs> so, Niroshima. Futuristic, post-apocalyptic world. Theme, that's, yeah. Uh, theme. Yep. That's the first thing that's going to pop out to me compared to this, what would you call it? Adventure. Fantasy. fantasy.
1: So this is 100% fantasy. The four factions, are they have really fancy names, but they're basically humans, elves, dwarves, undead, or demons. Demons,
0: right. And I liked how in the elves, they weren't these goody-two-shoes, goody, what is it? Goody-two-shoes, thank you, type of elves. They're mean elves. You and I played
1: all four factions. We got all Mm -hmm. four factions played. Uh, We had time for two games. We played just the basic game, which pretty much plays exactly like Nurishima Hex. Right. You draw three tiles. You discard one. You can put units on the board, and you have order tiles for doing things like moving or creating a battle, and the battle resolves the exact same way, which is something we always enjoyed about Nurishima Mm -hmm. Hex, was the highest initiative attacks first. So, if a higher initiative is attacking something with a lower initiative, that lower initiative guy will be removed from the board before he has ever has a chance. So, right. all the threes attack, and the twos, ones, zeros. Right. So, it kind of thins out the board after every single battle. All that works the exact same way.
0: Yeah. And the, the big difference is there are special abilities in the various factions, and mm-hmm. each one is different for these four. And they're vastly different. Vastly. Yes. I mean, we had, like I said, the elves, they're not nice elves, but they, they're able to move around the board. They have the movement. Ca- no. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. They, they could just move around like crazy and they have a lot of range. Right. The dwarfs were tough. The humans were. The, the humans had the, the charge ability. So they had horsies. They had, you say it. No. <laughs> cavalry. The, the cavalry. Cavalry. Yes. Okay. Uh, which would basically allow you to move and attack, which yes. is kind of a very common thing in a lot of miniature games. It seems like every miniature game has a charge thing, move and attack. And then the, oh my gosh, the, the demons. demons were just like, they could teleport
0: mm-hmm. and just kind of move around the board and poison people. Probably the most irritating thing is the net. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the net, but I understand the net and but, they were netting.
1: Yeah. So the net, uh, that's from Niroshima Hex. You throw a net on somebody, they can't do anything. Right. They ain't moving, they ain't doing anything until the person that net them is gone.
0: So uh, the, from the standpoint though, we really were able to quickly get used to the abilities and the capabilities because of Hex. Yes. Right. So it was not because you being, just don't like saying Nurishima. No, I don't like saying Nurishima. <laughs> so when he saying. says when he says hex, he means Nurishima hex. So for me, you know, I was like, okay, this felt familiar, very mm-hmm. warm, even though it was different faction. So let me just ask you, which do you relate to more, the fantasy or the post apocalyptic? Uh, it would probably be the fantasy. Okay, though you know you have all the armies for the post apocalyptic. Yes, that, got that word out, and I was able. Uh, I mean, it, you're just so used to them. Because we've seen it so much in so many games over time, and- the fantasy, yeah. So what
1: Ignacy said was true. The dwarves you think are going to be tough, they're tough, right? Tough. The uh, elves are nimble, move around, right? So.
0: Yeah. And I'm trying not to. Um, I got to be careful here. We've got some. I'm um, keep waiting to not product off shelves here. So if you hear a crash, <laughs> we apologize for that. So yeah. So we we've got that going on. So enjoyed the faction.
1: I th- I think unless people just have a a huge love of like. The post-apocalyptic, the, the Mad the Mad Max-type world, they're probably going to relate better to, to fantasy. Right. Because just when you see the names and what they do, it kind of makes sense. I assume more factions will come, but with these four basic in the game, to me, they make more sense than the four basic factions in Hiroshima Hex.
0: But the rules are simple. I mean, simple. that They are the same. I mean, we had some questions because of certain abilities, because, right. a, because they're new abilities. Right. Like the charge. The charge. Yeah. How does this work? What do you do? Can you do it twice? What about this? And the runes. Now, that's one thing I don't remember because it's been a while since I've played Nourishima Hex. They weren't called runes. But, were they? Were, but there were
1: tiles on the board that would just give bonuses. Bonuses. Yeah, yeah the so bonuses. It was the same thing. They, they were the exact same way, just
0: called something different. Yeah. So you had those out there. So it was all pretty much. So if you're familiar with Nourishima Hex, this is going to feel very familiar to you as well. Mm-hmm. Other than that, let's get to the real meat of this thing, the monolith. Yeah. So that's the brand new thing that was added to
1: the game. And so for our second game, Uh, You and I picked up a different faction to play and then added the concept of the monolith to the board. Now, the monolith is a set of three stackable plastic pieces where each one can hold a tile, either a rune or a unit. But the top piece will always have the banner or the base in it. Right. Then before the game, you secretly put in two other tiles, could be uh, units or runes, into those that stacked beneath it. Mm -hmm. During your turn, you have the option to unfold, is what they call in the rules, is unfold the monolith where you can remove the two segments from beneath the banner and deploy them out onto the board, but they must be adjacent. So they got to be touching each other.
0: And into empty spaces, you can't put it on somebody. Yes.
1: So once you satisfy those rules, then they're out there and then you can fight. So the idea of this is, is the fact that you can set up some sort of synergy at the beginning of the game. Let's say I re- there's these two tiles. I, I really want to have them and, and use them, but dang it, if I don't have the luck of the draw, I'll never get them out at the same time. So the monolith provides you a way to say, okay, well, fine. Beneath your banner, go ahead and put in those two tiles. And when you want, you can unfold, maybe do a battle, use them, and then at the end of a battle, they all fold back up
0: again. Right. Very strategic. You're building. You're you're constantly building your team. You can build anything you want. You can find combinations. And Ignacy has often said this in in this podcast when he's talking to Steven about it in Board Games Insider. Mm -hmm. There are all these different combinations. And when you think you have found one, then here comes a better one.
1: Yeah. In fact, you remember in the interview, he said, oh, I found one that broke it. Yeah. And then the designer said, no, here's some better ones that's even better than that one. Yeah. So it uh, has a little bit of uh, kind of a list or deck building mechanic mm-hmm. to it. It's like, well, I'm going to play with this faction. I'm going to start with these two in the in the monolith.
0: And they, get, they can be destroyed. So that's important to keep in mind. So if you go out and battle and your monolith is out there, they can also, if you don't place them correctly, those tiles can be lost in your monolith. Mm-hmm. It folds back up. So in your next turn, you have to be able to unfold it, and then you may place a tile in an open spot. Right. But you cannot place another tile on the board.
1: Yeah, so when you unfold it, that's pretty much taking your turn. Uh, you can unfold it and then play orders at that point. Mm-hmm. Or uh, when you unfold it, if there's an empty spot in one of the little uh, tile holders, you can uh, put a tile f- that you just drew into that to fill it back up again.
0: So it's a nice addition to that type of gameplay strategy wise mm-hmm. where Niroshima Hex didn't have that basically putting tiles on the board and battling it out here. You've got a type of building, not a deck building, but just a building. Mm-hmm. And then once they're out there, there, the surprise is gone. Of course, that's true. But there's a lot of strategy, not only around getting the monolith out, but also trying to keep them from expanding their monolith. Mm -hmm. You've got to think about that as well. Because like you said, there has to be
1: open spots for the monolith to be unfolded. And if there's no places for it to go, then it will never unfold. So then the other player has to spend time trying to clear out a spot where he can try to get his monolith unfolded when he
0: needs to. I really enjoyed playing it. Uh, I was like, okay, I like this a lot better than the base. That's what was so funny. I was sitting there after we played the base and then we put the monolith. I was like, okay, I do like this a lot more. Yeah.
1: It seems like our game went slower. Because there's this whole new thing that now you've got
0: to consider. And
1: you're constantly kind of looking at what tiles were in your monolith. It's like, okay, when do I want to unfold this? When I don't want to surprise it on him. And that was just our very first game. I can imagine that once you play these factions enough, you hit, you have the aha moment. Oh my gosh. I need to start this with these two tiles
0: on the monolith and pull off this little combo. And, but you got to be very careful because when you unfold it, like you said, on your turn, you're sitting there unfolding. You got to unfold it to get it ready. You got to be careful because if you come up and then you draw a battle, You can decimate my troops that were hidden away in my monolith, so I've got to. But
1: if they're unfolded, if they're unfolded, yes, yeah, you you you
0: can't attack troops if they're in
1: the monolith, right? The only thing that will take damage in the monolith is basically the The banner banner. that's sitting on the top, which is like the home base, And that's the whole goal of the game is try to destroy the other person's banner. They have twenty points. They do twenty points damage to the banner. It ends or. Whenever one person runs out of tiles, whoever has done the most damage to the other person's base will win.
0: Right. But like what I was trying to say is that basically you've got the banner going out and you've got to, let's say you had an open spot. In the monolith. Okay. In the monolith. And you wanted to fold, unfold it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I pulled the right ones that I'm going to stack this back in there and I unfold it. It's going to stay unfolded until there's a battle. So you've got to be very careful, especially if you don't dry, draw a battle. Because then it's your turn. Oh, he drew a battle. And he just. Decimated whatever I just put in there. Very strategic on that front. Right
1: now, there were some questions that we had during the game, and we were almost having like an online Twitter conversation with Ignasi answering some of the questions. And it must he must have gotten gone to bed. Because we ran into a couple of questions with the monolith with particular factions that we were kind of unsure of. And we wanted to get clarification. So we won't mention those here. But there were a couple of things that I was like, is it supposed to work like this or should it not work like this? Especially with things like teleportation. Because there's this new concept where demons cannot teleport around the board. And I had some questions about teleporting out of a monolith and stuff like that. So we won't worry about that for now. But I'm sure there'll be, as people get this in their hands, uh, Ignasi is very good at answering questions and putting facts out there for, for situations that people run into as they play the game. So here's a question for you: uh, You and I recently played War Chest, mm. which is a two-player game with looks like hex tiles. I mean, the board almost looks like the exact same type of board. You're drawing tokens from a bag and you're you're playing three tokens and trying to to fight each other. How do you compare the two? If like you were talking to somebody and it's like I don't know which one I would want. What would you
0: give the pros and cons of each? Two completely different games from the standpoint. Wow, okay, yeah. All right, because first off, you have the, while War Chess has all the individual characteristics of the armies mm-hmm. or of whatever uh, factions you get to play, here a faction has all the units underneath it, so it's a different type of strategy to build up. Here you're only, in War Chess, you only have to worry about the four factions that you're handling. The, yeah, the, four, or, types four, the four types of units. four types of units, And right. that would change every game. Right. But with Monolith Arena, you've got this faction has a special ability and the units underneath it have various types of powers. So I don't know if I could really compare it. I'd play them both easily. I mean, I enjoy them both. Which one do I feel like doing setting up right now? So, you know, I don't think there's a a dislike or a like between either one. Either one. Put them on the table. I'm going to play them. Do you feel that War Chest is a little bit lighter affair? It seems like that the
1: factions were so different in Monolith Arena. I had a little bit more AP mm-hmm. uh, I did than, than with Warchest. Now, I think Warchest has this, this cool thing of the drafting at the beginning, where you can draft your units that you want to build. Right. So that's different every time, as opposed to, I'm just going to pick this faction and play it. Now, here's the thing. If people want something that, that's really fluid and moves quickly, the battles in Warchest can't mo- move any quicker than that. I'm going to attack you. You're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Monolith Arena... When a battle happens, things pretty much stop at that point because you have to evaluate the entire board. That's part of the beauty of the game, too, is you're constantly looking at the board and wondering when is the battle going to kick off? Because when it happens, then you have to take time to evaluate each initiative one step at a time and and settle that. So War Chess is probably more fluid in the battle, but the Monolith Arena is probably more tactical when it comes to that point in
0: the battle. I think it's two different levels of strategy. I mean, I think they are, even though it's, Basically, basically putting tiles on a board. Mm-hmm. What you're doing, completely different mechanics. I mean, drawing from a bag, drawing from a pile. Yeah, okay. So, War Chest you draw from a bag, and Monolith you're drawing from the bag your tiles.
1: Yeah, and then but then they're discarded from the game. I guess what's different also too about War Chest is that tiles will uh, how you activate. Yeah, you're right. They're two totally different style of games. The only thing where they're really kind of similar is it's a two player abstract game where you're using units to fight each other, but they really are different.
0: Oh, man. A lot of similarities, but a lot of differences. So that makes no sense, but I'm okay. <laughs> two so, two,
1: so two you're, individual you're, games, but so, I
0: like them both. So, so you're not committing to either
1: one. They're, I they're, can't. they're both good, but they are, they are different.
0: They're, very, they're In my mind, they are very different.
1: It's funny. So when I started this, I thought, okay, we're going to take two similar games and compare them. But now that you've gone through it, Maybe they aren't as similar as what I, what I thought. Now, there is one thing I always used to bother me with nurashima Hex. The rule of you draw three, discard one. Okay. I always felt like, man, there's sometimes when you draw three really bad ones. Mm-hmm. or So you're trying to look for that one particular tile that you want and you can't get to it. Or you draw three good ones and you get great. Now I have to decide which one want to discard. Ignacy added to the rule something called mo- a more tactical game. And here's what I like. It says, if you think there is too much randomness in the game, which I just explained that sometimes there might be, and you want to reduce it, you can play with the following reinforcement rule. During your turn, draw up to six tiles instead of three, discard one, and play a maximum of two, and all the others can be saved for later. So now instead of three, you have six in front of you to decide with. Okay. So what that does is that reduces the randomness it gives you a lot more choices to, to take during
0: your turn. Yeah, and I can also have a lot more AP.
1: No, I totally agree. There is a lot more AP at that point, but it does remove that, man, I'm really looking for this particular mm-hmm. tile. Well, now if you have six in front of you every turn, well, then that just kind of reduces the randomness. And then it really becomes more of a, a tactical game at that point.
0: Now, one thing about Monolith is you, I get to see what tiles you pull. Oh, that's true. That's different war chests. They're hidden. They're hidden. So, so that helps a lot in the strategy. It's not like, oh, did you pull that matching tile in war chest that will let you go out and do an attack or take over that area? And Monolith, I know it's on your board. You know, I had a dwarf bomb sitting there waiting to try to take out one of your nets, but you never would set them up the way I wanted you to. So I just wasted it at the freaking end. I was, uh.
1: yeah. So in theory, I guess if you really know another uh, faction's 35 tiles, you could count. You could know well. I know he only has x amount of number of battle tokens left, or x amount of bombs left. So uh, that's part of the game too.
0: I don't have the brain power for thirty-five. <laughs> huh? I,
1: I don't either. But I'm saying for those who really get into this game, they can realize well. I know out of that whole stack, he has two battle orders left right. that he can implement.
0: I will say out of the four factions we played, I, I've already got my favorite, and that's the dwarves.
1: I knew it. I
0: knew yep. it would be. And which one? Which one's my favorite? uh for you it's the teleporting the yeah, demons it's the demons
1: <laughs> yeah for sure i mean
0: I, th- they all are they all are abilities. good yeah they're all need abilities i gotta replay the elves um because there's there's a lot more i think there's a little deep strategy there that i completely missed yeah. with the movement you were a, a
1: huge fan of that charge action i kept doing no. against you
0: especially when uh,
1: nasi texted me he said oh by the way don't forget one of you, if your units has a charge and a move, you can move them, then activate with like the charge rune and move them in and uh, hit somebody. And yeah. I was, did that a few times, and you just left the char- charge rune sitting out on the board. I, you I probably think I wasn't have under, that. Yeah,
0: I wasn't really understanding it mm-hmm. and, I, and how it was to be used, and I don't think I played the elves very well. But that's just you. As you see it for the first time, you're like, huh. Ah. Once we got that down, even though I was only saw the dwarves for the first time, mm-hmm. pretty well understood those until you netted them. To wrap this up, the big question is. If I already have Nurishima Hex, Marty,
1: Tony, why would I want to buy Monolith Arena? I think there's probably two big things. One is uh, the different theme, mm-hmm. and the second is the, the monolith. That's it. That's it. I, that's really the two differences. Oh, bigger tiles. Bigger tiles. The graphics are gorgeous. Uh, yes, they the are. The art and everything is good. The, the play mats or the, uh, the player boards for the different factions are like a, a vinyl type mm-hmm. material with nice gloss print on the front. So production is really nice. The thicker are bigger tiles, which I really appreciate. So really that's the difference. If you have Nurishima Hex and you're happy with Nurishima Hex, great. But if it's like, well, I'd like to try fantasy. You have this. The monolith does add enough, in my opinion, different strategy to the game that you might want to check it out over Nurishima. I agree. And if you don't have Nurishima and you get the game, you can play it one of two different ways. You don't have to use the Monolith in there if you don't want to. That's right. You can just play the basic game like we did or do the other version. So there we go. Monolith Arena. Big thanks to Ignasi for sending us a copy. This game will be covered on rodney's channel watch it play because it's a big logo on the back of the box i was gonna say did the logo make the back of the box oh it was it's on the back of the box but he hasn't made the video yet i'm sure he's on it so i'm sure he's answered all these questions by the time that his little video comes out um so if you want to check out and see how it's played then you can go uh, watch his channel and you can obviously pre-order this right now for essen Mm-hmm. I want the neoprene mat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want the mat for this yeah. thing. Even though it's a nice board, I like a mat.
0: We always talk about our collection and how we share games back and forth. And there are some games where you will have it and I'll borrow it and vice versa. Mm-hmm. This one is another one that I would like to put in my collection. That's how much I enjoyed it. Because, I, you know, I have copies of uh, Niroshima Hex and Imperial and on down the line. It's one, another great
1: game. And if successful, I'm sure that Michael will be working on more factions, as actually Ignacio's already
0: teased. I'm sure he's already probably got four. <laughs> he does. So, well, I mean, I would like to see him take some of the keys out of, like, the Steel Police and the and the, whatever that faction's called. I have no idea the what The Slashlack or whatever. The yeah. Slashlack. The I, I, from Land of the Lost? Yes. You know. Uh, but, the, yes. Okay. I'd like to see, you know, some of those maybe is how he would take those special abilities. And bring them into the fantasy world. That's going to be interesting. Or even not that, even just taking the typical fantasy tropes of other
1: factions and incorporating them into this game. That's right. Seeing so, you know, that, you know, you got, you know, the the mer people and all that stuff. And by the way, they're Morlocks on the uh, elves, not murlocks.
0: Whatever. Okay. It's, this is probably the the Calvary.
1: Calvary. <laughs> so here we go. Are. Monolith Arena, if you're interested, you will be a pre order at Essen and it will be available soon after.
0: portalgames.pl/en this whole show was a portal commercial so there we're done <laughs> <laughs> wow martin wallace and ignacy we've learned a lot from two of the great designers in the industry marty i, I that's it I, n- do we need more designers on the show till the end of the year or should we just start doing some more game reviews because it's kind it's going to be hard to that bar's been set pretty f- high, man. Pretty high.
1: The past two episodes have been incredible. Having two great designers on the show, I thought you was getting ready to say, "Maybe we should just shut down now because we can't get any better."
0: <laughs> no, I mean, because we can always go back to our own stupidity. I mean, I'm appreciating playing along. At least he understood about the lawnmower. <laughs> Well, he he listens to the show. Well, he listens so he can hear his commercial. That's right. In fact, he was expecting it. I mean, he played right along, but man, I wish I could mow only once a year. If you did that, the HOA would be all over you. Yes, they would.
1: We always love to get Ignacio on at this time of year because he has his big S in games coming out. And he's already thinking about 2019. And we know in his mind, he knows exactly what's coming, and he wouldn't off the air give us any hint on what it was. So we're in the dark too. But it's always exciting this time of the year to know that he's already kind of gearing up for the big things that'll be coming out in 2019. So I can't wait till his Portal Con to
0: hear all about that. Oh, Portal Con! If there was any way, why in the winter? I'd be all over that. What? But what, the winter? I, I don't know. Because I mean, I talked to Donna about it, and she's like, "Really." And I'm like, yeah, because she wants to go over. I, I could tie this up. But no, because it's short. PortalCon is short. Uh, well, I guess it, it's just because of the time of the year, right? Yeah. He, You're
1: typically going to announce games for that year at the beginning of the year. I mean, it wouldn't make no sense to have it in the middle of the summer when the games come out in like a couple weeks. 20 years. That's that's a long time to be in the 20 business. years. I'm, I'm excited for him. I've, I cannot wait to see the kind of stuff that he does for... 2019 i hope he has like 20th anniversary stickers and stuff all over the place i would love to see um, him revisit some older games that people have been wanting i know that people have been wanting him to redo uh Oh, i can't think of the name of the game the one that's about uh design fashion design oh, the
0: fashion uh oh oh why did you uh it's a port of night yeah is it Predaporta?
1: Yes, yes. Yes. I know a lot of people have been asking for like a reprint of that. At least with like Monolith Arena, you've kind of got a, a re, refleshing or redoing a, of Nurishima Hex. I know people have been talking about maybe, you know, Legacy was a game for him before he got big. And Tony, you've never played Legacy. I, I need to get with you and play that. That is a fun
0: game. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a lot of games you haven't played with me. I have to go buy them myself. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's okay. uh, hey, at least you got a detective now. I got a detective. Matter of fact, I, you know what? Enough. All this talk with the Nazi makes me want to go get out either Robinson or even, hey, First Martian. Go for it, people. I mean, a lot of cleanups done there. Stronghold. You can't go wrong. Uh, amazing. Amazon. Um, Amazons. 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 Amazons um, and Imperial <laughs> Settlers. One of our favorites, 51st State. I mean, you know, let me get in my car. I'm on my way over. We need to get a little Ignacio on the table there. <laughs> That didn't come out right, did it?
1: That's weird. That sounds weird. Let's get a little Ignacy on the table.
0: Okay, (laughs) let's get a a game by Ignacy on the table. There you go. There you go. That sounds good. And have Vanessa get the oven ready because I'll bring over some, what is it, break apart cookies? Yeah, let's do some baking. We'll have some cookies in his honor. All right, so keep rolling dice. And taking names.
1: Thanks for listening to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by going to podpledge.com RDTN. There, you can also order an RDTN mason jar. As always, you can follow us on all forms of social media. Just pick the one you like. Now, what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that start with C. Uh, uh, Who cares about other things? C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. C is for cookie. That's good enough for me. Oh, cookie, cookie, cookie
0: starts with C. miniaturemarket.com. It's only a month and a half away when you will get to see their big Black Friday sales. Go ahead, start pushing that money into the piggy bank because you know you need to save up. They're going to have a bunch of sales. They just had their fall sale, but then they're going to follow it up with their big Black Friday sale. You know it's out there. Be sure to check it out at miniaturemarket.com. Also, be sure to check out Marty's videos where you can dedicate a game to someone from your distant past or maybe your distant future. I don't know how that'll work, Marty, but you can it could happen. It could.